Aaron Morrison. And this man, right? I always think when I hear people's stories like this, that oh, he got how he lived the dream. Yeah. The dream came true. It was amazing. And then you hear that you have lived the dream, but you want the original dream or a dream you didn't even know you wanted. Yeah, like it... it you know, when you move away, it's like you don't really appreciate Ireland as much, you know. Until you... Yeah, I think, and you do. Once you've gone in the first couple of years, like I missed maybe five or six Christmases just due to working and dad would always be like, you know, make your money, you know, come home in January for a couple of days or whatever. And I think until you experience that, you know, being away and, you know, it's, yeah... You, you you want to come back then eventually. I, I never really seen, I know my girlfriend will probably be like, oh, we'll probably stay at some stage. But no, I'd like to come back at some stage. I really would. You're it's, a Kildare man. Yeah, yeah. Born and bred. Where well, not born, but bred. Oh, where were we born? I was born, uh, well, start the story. My parents lived, they moved away back 1986 for seven years, seven, eight years. Two. New York first. Oh, so dad was working in construction, carpenter, plaster by trade. My mom worked in IHOP, international. But international did they house go out gangs. there together? Yes, they married. They actually, they built their house, locked the door, and decided maybe go for a few months. Fuck make, off! Yeah, when you were a baby, I wasn't even born. wasn't even on the scene. wasn't even you a dirty even thought. In the <laughs> yeah, wasn't even a dirty thought. <laughs> Are you the only son or have you? No, I have a younger brother. He's uh, 28, Shane. He's a uh, block layer and he's on a second apprenticeship. He's doing air conditioning. So, so, so he cool dudes yeah, He's the tough, yeah. He's the, <laughs> he's the, he's the worker at home. So, uh, so your mum and dad, what age were they when they decided to? Um, what I'd say, mum was 21. She got married. Dad was 24. So yeah, just after they got married, and they decided, they house built, like fully on. fit, like, the shell was there, windows were there, they literally locked the door. And I think dad always says he, in the years they left, I think there was a scaffolding pole stolen in the seven or eight years. So, but what, they did they live out the country? Lived out in the back arsenal, yeah, just outside Prosperous, between Prosperous and Allenwood, Dagwell's Cross. Oh, well. So, um, so yeah. they just went out there, looked for a job. Yeah, they just, you know what, decided, look, go over and try and save, pay off for the house. You know, back then it was like no one ever had a mortgage or. So How long were they out there? Obviously getting busy. Do, yeah. And well, no, I, I was, probably was getting busy, but I wasn't a, a thought even then, like, what, 92. So, uh, yeah, they went over to New York for four or five years. My dad went working for a Jewish guy um, at the time. and Jesus. You no, know, nice, supposedly a nice guy from what my, from what my dad, <laughs> <laughs> from what my dad, not the, not the other one. Right. But... Um, yeah, he was really good, really good to my dad. He was there for four years um, in New York. And it's nice when, when dad used to come over years and years ago. When I first moved out, we used to go around, he'd show me all the different buildings that he worked on. But... Because um, you used so, to go back out on holiday. Yeah, well, dad's only been over once since I moved out because he's not really great at traveling, which kind he's of... not really great at traveling. Yeah. Got married, built the house, <laughs> fucked off to New York. And I think, yeah, and then just... You know, after that, just has no no interest in so going over. So, what know? year were you born? 1992. In New York? No, St. Thomas. U.S. Virgin Islands, which is still a part of the... How the fuck did they get out there? So, the guy that dad was working for, um, the Jewish guy, had 
apartments or had property down in St. Thomas, which is a part of the US, and supposedly big uh, tornado, big hurricane hit the island and work came up for them to go down and rebuild part of the island. So I think they moved down there about 1989 or so. They lived there for a few years. They lived just on the on the beach. I think Charlotte Amalie is the name of the area where I was born in 92. So, yeah, it was... How long did you stay out there? I don't think I was there that long, maybe six months a year. You so know, when they had you, did they go, oh, we miss home now? No, I think Mam got very homesick. Her dad at the time was sick at home and she kind of just got a bit homesick and was like, you know what, I'm going. And I think dad kind of stayed on for another six months or a year, I think, just to kind of, you know. Finish up. Yeah, because the, the story is that he was meant to, like if they hadn't moved home, they were supposedly they were meant to be going to go to Australia. That's what he told me when, when we were younger. So who knows where they were. Could have ended up staying in St. Thomas. Would have been a, a white Rastafarian living in, <laughs> in, 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 in St. Thomas. Up. But one story is that the, the day I was born, um, Dad went down, you know, down to check in the room where all the kids are. And the nurse was like, oh, yeah, just down there in on the left. And, you know, you'll see, you'll be able to pick out. So Dad walks down and uh, looks into the room and. I'm the only white child <laughs> among 30 kids. So he's like, oh, I think I'll be able to find him. It'll be okay. So The one without the dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, they, they traveled a lot. That was one thing, you know, as time went on and I got older, you know, dad was always kind of like, you know, go and see the world or whatever at some stage. But, you know, never really like. So did you grow up totally normal then? Yeah, just grew up, went to school in Prosperous, went to secondary school in Clane, you know. Do you like school? I, yeah, I did. I did enjoy it. I was never really good, as in exams-wise, brutal at remembering things. Just a good friend network? And yeah, good it. friend network, got on with kind of everyone, you know. You know, I did enjoy it. And like even secondary school, kind of fifth and sixth year, we had a great group of teachers in Clane. We really did. And a lot of people will agree with me because, you know, they weren't that much older than us. And they kind of, they got the crack and they knew... You know, that we were a good bunch of kids and, and, and whatnot. So, like, our graduation, I think we'd four or five teachers at it. And I think they had more crack than we had. Like, but Did you know what you wanted to do? No, still don't know what I want to do. And this is where Derek from Golf comes in. Yeah. So, you left school. Did you go left, to college? Left school. No, never went to college. No. You just wanted a job? Yeah, well, I was, do you know what? I worked in the local golf club from, what, 12, 13 years of age. Doing... I was the ranger. I used to make sure guys weren't slowing up. Or How'd you get into that? Oh, just joined the golf club at a young age. So you into golf? Yeah, I love golf. Always did. So you up. wanted to be a professional golfer when you were younger? No, I actually didn't want to be a professional golfer. You just no, loved it, I just sense. loved it and I wanted to play to, say, a high amateur level. You know, you maybe get to scratch or something. So got to two. That's the lowest I've ever been. But I just, do you know what? The thing, working in the golf club from a young age... You know, as you get older, the confidence it instills in you, you know, How? being able to talk to people. Because, oh, yeah. like, I was going down there signing in maybe 300 members, 400 members every weekend. All different characteristics, all different characters of guys, ladies, you know. But you're just meeting them. Yeah, meet meeting them, sign them in, give them their cards before they go out playing, you know, make sure that they're getting out on time and stuff. It was just kind of running, you know, running of the, you know, the golf club and whatnot. So it was... So you were making bank? Well, for maybe, what, for 15, 16-year-old, yeah, you were, 
you know, where no one else had a bank card. And I was at a wedding the other day and one of the lads says, Jesus, Morrison was the only one with a debit card when we were in <laughs> school, you know. But it was, it kind of was like, Jesus, this is great. And did your father not want you to go building? No. Never? He told us to stay away from it. Really? As much, yeah. Ne- yeah, just, and that ended up, well, not working in it, like, hands-on, like a trade, but, you know, uh, doing safety over there at the moment in New York. But, yeah, he never really wanted us to go near. No. So how did you meet this man here? Well, you know, from a very, very young age, when we first started playing golf, like, as some people might know Derek's story, like, opened up for golf 97, like, maybe a couple of years after that, went to see Derek for my first golf club in, in so Nace. you went to Derek on a professional basis to try to get fitted or something? Yeah, well, like, as a kid, yeah, Dad brought us to get a you know, get a couple of clubs fitted properly. Dad's like, if you're going to play, do it right. And, you know. I think you would have been <clears throat> really young when you came to us first. Oh, maybe five, four or five years of age. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, you were big into golf. Yeah, well, Dad was big into golf. And, you know, my brother then was as well. So it was kind of, if you're going to, if you're going to play it and get interested in Can it. you remember him coming in? Yeah, I kind of can. I remember his dad quite well. Um, but but at, over the years, then Aaron would come to us then as he got older. And then as he got like into his sort of teens, into his 15, 16, 17, he was coming to us relatively regularly, i.e. maybe once every year, two years. Yeah, yeah. Because he was growing and his game was developing. So you have to remember he got down to two, which is you know, like it's pretty decent. So as, for non-golfers, that's really good in terms of the level. And he was coming to us then periodically over that time to, you know, change the clubs because he was getting better. He's in a different type of clubs, getting stronger, getting bigger, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I remembered about him coming was his stuff was impeccable. Like he, he would take such great care and attention of his equipment. And I would notice that because he'd come to me and I'd do the assessment and then we'd do up the spec and then we'd, you know, get him built for him. And then I noticed every time he came, his stuff was impeccable. It was laid out perfectly in the golf bag. It was spotless and he took huge care and attention of the equipment. And I remember saying to dad, Aaron's working part-time up in the Woodlands Golf Club, which was just up the road from us at the time in Nate. And I said to dad, you know what? I think we should take this kid in. This guy's sharp. No, no, he was just sharp. He was sharp. Did you poach him? Well, no, I scrambled him. <laughs> you pushed him. Scrambled. You took yeah. him. No, well, I, you know, when you recognise somebody is good yeah. and, and you recognise, and you have all the, oh, he's all the right traits in the right places. And it's gas because I wrote that down. He said something earlier on. He said he was terrible in school because he was brutal at remembering things. <laughs> and this dude could remember a fella's name. We used to call him the guard. So we nicknamed him the guard in work because he'd remember a guy, oh, a car would pull in and he'd recognise the registration. Oh, that's Dave Cuddy. And I'd be like, he was here like two years ago. Yeah. So we always used to tease Aaron. <laughs> we used to yeah. say to Aaron, hey Aaron, go out there and check Aww. the tra- insurance and tax in the car. <laughs> 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 so well, yeah. what year did you start working with Eric? 2010. Yep. Did just he ask you to go working for him? He just kind of asked me to come in and do a few days because I was still in secondary school. He was still in school. Yeah. He used to cycle from his house to work and everything. Yeah, before I got my license, I used to cycle over to Red Lane where they were back. Yeah, that was a fair cycle too. Yeah. 
But I, re- I recognised he was good, so I told him, come in part-time, he did a summer job with us first. And he got on like a house on fire with my dad. My dad's the hardest man to work with. Well, he's not the hardest man to work with, but he's quirky. And Aaron, of course, is just as quirky. They were like two peas in a pod. It was unreal. And I said, geez, and if he can get on well with dad, that's perfect because he can do workshop, which he was. He was dad's helper in the workshop. So he'd do grips, he'd do inventory. And then he got to the stage where he was actually like literally running the show. So he was pulling the strings, looking after the people, dealing with all the inquiries as time went on. Yeah. He was exceptional. I'm not saying that because he's sitting here. He's yeah. exceptional. He was an exceptional individual. Remembered people's names, remembered what they'd bought. Like instant recall, which is the hardest thing so to the teach. the perfect employee that you've been looking for. He was perfect. <laughs> yeah. He genuinely was. Did you was. love your job? I did love it, yeah. I think meeting, like going back to working in Woodlands, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy people. I enjoy meeting different types of people, you know, because it's, you know, you're meeting so many different types of golfers, especially because, first of all, they're just weird with like golf clubs and the way things are. And you'd meet all sorts from the spectrum, like, you know. So where things get interesting for me anyway, is why'd you leave? And why did you make such a big yeah, jump? Do you, do you know what? The friends of mine went into J1 2014, 2013, 2014, guys from school. And, you know, they went over on a visa, you know. Like I was born there, so I didn't have to deal with visas or any of that. I had the passport there. I had my social security card that I literally signed the day before I flew. Like it sat in a folder in our house for, what, 20 something years. And they come back and I remember so well, we're sitting in McDonald's and Nace and the six or seven of us we all just went in just to meet up. after the summer. Yeah, friends of mine. They're all talking about, you know, they're in Chicago, they're in New York and we're doing this and doing that. We traveled Maryland to Ocean City for the weekend we're partying and I don't know like I was going steady with a girl for three four years at the time and you know like always good good job you know good relationship everything but I don't know just something clicked in my head I was like you know what I I need to go and see the well, world we all, well, we, but I remember we were in the car I don't know what we were doing we were talking about going on a trip or something yeah. us and the next thing is Aaron pipes up there uh, oh yeah drive a US passport mm. we were going to go to the to the Masters yeah and he said to Shrine Grand drive him, I, have, I have a US passport he said what do you mean you have a US passport <laughs> he said I was born in you didn't know I didn't know mm. it's not the thing you'd you look at you know because he was from Prosperous he sounded like he was from Kildare and then he pipes up with this thing oh yeah I was born in the Virgin Islands what I have a US passport. I says, right, you need to get, you need to, you need to leave. You need to go to America. And that what I said to you. I remember, yeah. I remember him in the car yeah. saying to you, you need to leave. And he looked yeah. at me, what do you mean? And, and I go, I don't want you to leave, but you got to go. Because mm. it's a huge opportunity when you're young. And I knew, because I had done that, I had gone out there when I was 15. I'd gone out there and gone to school out there. And I knew that once you get past a certain point in your life, you just don't go because you get stuck and you get, you know, families and mortgages and kids and, mm. you know, stuff life. Stuff happens, life happens and you don't take the opportunity. And then when it, if it is a big opportunity, then it, then it's a hard, it, it's a hard, America's a hard gig because you, you, you need to be loaded. America doesn't work if you're poor. Yeah. And I knew that he would have an opportunity because he wouldn't be taking the risk of four people as in like wife and kids and fa- <laughs> go himself, doesn't work three weeks, come back again. Plus he has the passport. Yeah. And I said to him, you got to go. And you looked at me, I remember you looking at me going, what do you mean? I says, y- y- your your perspective on life will change exponentially. You will have, it, it'll be the greatest thing that ever happens to you to, to, to get away and travel and use the time while you can. So you, you made up your mind? Yeah, made up my mind, you know, and a friend of mine, Sean O'Brien, that's living in Australia now, was like, 
you know what, I'm going to go for the summer. So two of us sorted flights. And did you break up with a woman? Did, yeah. That was just... Do you know what? It, it it was on my mind for a couple of weeks. And you know when you kind of look at someone, you're like... something not my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I can't, I can't say that. No, oh, yes, no, no I, I, you know, people. some people are in that situation where it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck, I'm out here. I went around the house and told her, look, you'll have to go. Because <laughs> yeah. he has to go. But, you know, I'd kind of been saying it to it like... And I'd said it to her as well because, you know, why don't we go? And you know what? She was in the middle of doing college or whatever and she had her own thing she wanted to do and... You know, mutually we 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 uh, parted, the parted ways. You were, no, she was in did. the middle of doing her tests, <laughs> and you walked in the night before and listen, listen, you want crazy ass bitch. <laughs> but uh, you don't yeah. gotta go, but you can't stay here. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we just yeah. Look, well, I was still kept in touch for uh, you know an hour. How long did you before you decided? Was it when you went left, gone on pain? What do you mean by... So from the time you decided and broke up with the woman and... I'd say it was about three months. Three, four months, I'd say, yeah. And did you have an idea what you were going to do over there? I had no clue. I had no clue. Did you go over on your own? I went with Sean, my friend, and... We had a pal in New York, didn't we? Yeah. I had Ni- a pal. Yeah, yeah, Niall's brother. Yeah. And I reached out to him and said, hey, I have a guy going out. He's 100%. He's so down the line. Uh if he comes to New York, we look after him. He's here, he runs pubs, this guy in New York, mm. an Irish lad. And he said to me, Absolutely, he's a good guy. I said, Look, I will literally. What pub is it? Oh, it's not there anymore. Uh, Malloy's Irish pub is on 50th Where's and 9th Avenue. Huh? So. It, no, it's all right. Wrong Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we kind of, and I reached out to another few people, and I knew that if the bar didn't work out, that I had a couple of people that I could kind of lean on that I knew because I wanted to make sure he'd at least get out there and have something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like going over the first day. I remember the first time I ever seeing my dad cry. That was, uh, you know, in the kitchen. And, you know, th- this is, it's actually happening. And I remember getting to the airport. Did he think he wouldn't come home or something? Uh, I, uh, no, I don't know whether he thought I wasn't going to come home or the, not. But I think there was some context, like they're extraordinarily connected as a family. And that's not like saying that everybody isn't, yeah. but just... Close. They're yeah, very close. Very, They're I very be close. Very close to my dad and mom. You know, like as time went on, living over there, you know, you get close. Even with my brother, as much as he doesn't really, you know, we wouldn't. Not that we wouldn't text a whole lot. We wouldn't really. But when I come home, it's hog. Everything yeah. all right, you know. And that's that would be our but relationship. I, I you knew. Know? I knew it would be tough. And I and the day he left, I can see him waving and going out the window. And we put it up on social media, and everybody was gutted that he was leaving. Yeah, and soon my dad was gutted. Did you cry when you were gone? Yeah, I did. I did. When I got to the airport, I was like, "Jesus, this is this is fucking happening!" Like, you know, like. And we got to the other side, and uh, you know what? You stopped crying though when you didn't have to queue with all the people at immigration, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, everyone else <laughs> down the US going, Channel. How are you, Lance? Passport yeah. in hand. But it, does, it feels weird because you're getting you're getting stopped at security. So you go through normal security upstairs, and then you go down into the, you know, the bit of you know US that's down yeah. in Terminal Two. But everyone else is going, you know, visas, whatever, and you're going down like with all the US citizens, and it's, you know, like it's very intimidating. Even today, like living there for so long. Why is it more intimidating for you as a but citizen? Do you know what? I, I've had cases flying like just coming home for a couple of weeks or whatever a couple of years ago and I remember just getting a horrible fucker of a, of a, of a cop you know at immigration and I was like the questions like I was there for a good five or ten minutes what questions 
Just like um, Give me I, one that sticks out You know <laughs> Are you carrying anything illegal Into the country or Put a big black glove on How much How much are you bringing Lad, with you your seen this willy I have <laughs> 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 It's a fucking Do you want to pat me down But uh, Yeah they're just it, it was like You know I felt I felt really intimidated Like Thanks you know Thanks a lot You know it, But it, it Do you know what I was like is, Should you not be asking people That are You know None you Like I'm yeah. just I'm just coming back and forth like you know you see everything you know stamped and but yeah did you ever think you might have an untrustworthy face <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring a load of cocaine into New York is there any chance you can bring it in the bag yeah how much are you going to pay me <laughs> strapped to his forehead <laughs> but when you go did you go and get the job straight away like when you got off the plane so did you like say I may sort out this job do you know quickly? what we 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 kind of were just getting accommodation sorted maybe a couple of days before we left, you know, and we ended up up in Harlem, up in 125th Street, St. Nicholas Avenue. And, you know, you hear in movies, all oh, Harlem, rough. And, like, mm. I wouldn't say it was rough. Like, at the time, 2015, it was, you know, regentrifying. Like, there were, you know, people were moving out and Manhattan was kind of moving up into those rougher areas. So they were doing it up. There was more... Not going to be like racist, but more white people moving up into Harlem. You know, they were making it like putting up really big high rises, making it expensive. But I remember the first couple of days we were there and we just we went down into the city just to have a look around, you know, mm. Brooklyn Bridge, do all the touristy stuff at the start. And I remember myself and Sean and a few others were coming off the A train at 125th. We walked up and it was like 20 squad cars. On that intersection. And we're like, what the fuck's going on here? It's like, you know, Beirut. And some guy comes over and says, oh yeah, this. two guys got shot in the Popeyes over across the street. It's like, huh? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to be living here. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is eye opening. Like, and, and even being so naive when you first move over, like same another night, we came home after a night out, it was like three or four in the morning and we're just, it was like a deli or a bodega at the end of our street. At night time? Yeah, it was like three or four in the morning. They're open like all the time. And Sean was like, oh, I want to get some ramen noodles. Go up and he's fucking drunk. So wanted to kind of soak up all the drink. I remember this black guy comes up. He goes, hey, man, I need to make a phone call. Can I use your phone? I was like, oh, shit, yeah. No bother here. There you go, sure. Phone away. And made his phone call. Happy out on the phone for about five minutes and handed it back to me. And Sean comes out and he goes, what was that all about? I said, oh, just give him my phone to make a phone call. Are you fucking serious? He's like, first of all, you could have got stabbed. Second of all, he would have robbed your phone and fucked off. It's like, that's how, I don't know whether anyone else is like that, but that's, you know, the first yeah, couple of days. You're, yeah, you're just, you're not aware to, you're not aware of anything. Like, you know, it's. But. And how did you find working in the pub? Yeah, so went down, met Derek's contact, met met uh, the owner of the bar and went down and interview and the whole the whole lot went down, went bought black trousers, black shirts, shoes, the whole lot, make sure they were well presented. So yeah, ended up getting the job. Did you bring which money with you? I brought the price of a Ford Focus, which was four thousand euro, which my brother bought, actually. That's how much I brought with me. So I couldn't sell the car for loving her money, so he bought it off me and I went with that. So, yeah. And how long did you stay in the pub? Did you like that? Yeah, it was good. Do you know what? It was very nerve-wracking at the start, you know, because you're, 
you know, I'd never worked behind the bar before in my life. Like the only time I ever worked, you know, was the couple of weeks before I left. Mam's brother was managing a bar up in Clondalk and so she was like, Aaron's going over, he might do a bit of bar work. Is there any chance, you know, could you do a bit of work or, you know, give him something just to kind of get ready for it? And I ended up going up to the Swallows in Dublin, up in Clondalk. And some name. Well, I'll tell you, it was some spot because... The first night I got in there, Pat was like, Jesus, if you had been here last night, a fella drove his Jeep through the front door because he got barred. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Is it harder to work in a bar in America? Because the way they pay for everything is really weird. Yeah, well, it's all, it's the tipping system over there, you know, and it's all like tabs. So, you and know. Taxes. What, what's that shite with taxes? Yeah, so you go into a, like even into a store or something over there, and you see it's one fifty. You the go, price isn't one fifty. <laughs> you go to the register, and it's, it's like annoying. two dollars. It's like, but I only have one. That's yeah. It's like no, they put it on when you get to the. T- I yeah, still can't get my head around why it, they still do that. It's fucking stupid. You need to do better, you ass. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, yeah, it's weird. How long did you stay in the bar? Well, Jesus, I was there for what three months, and then. You know, you kind of get into the industry and you start getting to meet people, um, you know, other Irish that are working there years or whatever. But I was lucky. I, I got myself in touch with a lot of good Irish people that were working in bars over there when I first moved. Because a lot of people, some people get shafted, you know, working long hours. Some of them don't even get paid. You know, oh, yeah, we'll give you your tips next week or whatever. But I was lucky, just met the right people. And there was a job came up down the bar in Wall Street um, that they were doing up at the time, the full shilling, and you know, went down. Is that fancy? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a really, really nice bar. It still is today. It's you like the nice. You like it down there. Yeah, it and was. Do you get paid tips. We get paid tips, but like you don't really get a wage. You know, your wage kind of goes towards taxes. That's how it kind of. It's, you're you're basically just working on tips. That's what people give you. Yeah, but in a busy bar, who's giving tips? Well, everybody to a certain extent. So, yeah. te- so, so, how much would you pull in tips generally a night? On a busy night, depending on how busy it is. Like, don't know, lie now, right? There's yeah, no one no, listening. Not, no, I'm not going to be like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it's um, good, good night. You could make four or five hundred dollars. Fuck off. Yeah, you could. Yeah, <laughs> every night a week. It wouldn't be every night, and it wouldn't be all. It wouldn't be all year round. Like, it, it's like um, it's seasons with the bars. Like, you know, depending on the area of the city, like Wall Street during the summer would be quiet because a lot of the guys would be off, you know, for the summer, you know, schools are closed, whatever. So it wouldn't be as busy. But from like September, October to January, like, it'd be crazy. I knew I knew he'd do well in the bars because he's got fabulous recall on people and names. Oh, Johnny, it's yourself. You want a yeah. brandy there? Yeah, yeah you're, you're, he you're, would. Your bullshitting just goes, you know. That's, yeah, do you have to? Oh, you suck have to. Dick over there. I'm not talking literally, by the way. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. You do because that's your bread and butter. That's you know, and and you know, friends of mine will that are in the same business over there will agree. It's and and those are the life lessons that I knew he needed to learn in order to move on yeah. and progress and become the guy that he is and that he will be because yeah. he'll have that sharpness. He'll have the ability to, you know, go to a foreign place, find accommodation, look after himself, mind himself. Like he's the toughest place in the, in the world. One of the toughest cities in the world to survive in is New York. It's one of the hardest places yeah. to actually if you, survive. If you don't make money in New York, 
you're dead. You're out. You but know, also it's... his ability to adapt, his ability to, you know, so these are one of these are the things I said to him. This is what, these are the things that I, you won't learn that in Ireland. Yeah. So you're making fair on money over there. Yeah, we're yeah, like <clears throat> making enough money to be able to go and travel. Like I, like when I first moved over, you know, you know, you worked four shifts a week or whatever. So you had three days of the rest of the week to do, you know, whatever you wanted. So like earlier on when I moved there, I was like, you know what? Go to wherever, go to Boston, go to Philly, go to Chicago, see all these cities. Like the first big one I went to was Ireland, New Zealand in Soldier Field in Chicago. That was an incredible weekend. You know, first time Ireland beat New Zealand in fucking how long, you know, but... And you still hanging with your friend at this time that you went out there Sean with? had actually left. Sean only stayed for three months. He just did his holiday visa and left. So I actually, I actually flew out on my own to go to Chicago. Now, there was friends from the area that I was living in in Queens that were going to it. So, you know, you're always going to bump into someone. But kind of last minute, I was like, you know what, I'm going to fly. So I did like 24-hour layover. Did you but, become very independent? Yeah, you do very early. I was, like, as a person, I was very independent. Like, I'm that type of guy that's happy in his own company, like, you know. Were you driven to succeed financially or driven to just become self-sufficient? I'd be telling the lie if you were not driven, to, like, financial-wise. Like, you know, when I first went over, I was like, you know what, if I can save enough for a good mortgage or something or come home eventually or something, that's... So that was your yeah, goal? Didn't, yeah, because, like, things, even back then, like, you know... A lot of friends of mine were going traveling and that. And I was like, see how long I stay. But yeah, financially, I would have liked to have. So how long did you stay in the bar? Uh, up to COVID, 2019, 2020. Yeah. So after that, COVID just, COVID fucked everything. Let's, let's tell the truth. It really did. Like the bars over there was 25% capacity, wearing masks and. I couldn't deal with that. So I was like, you know what? Like when COVID hit, I just moved home. Just a few of us were like, what the fuck's going to happen? We were like, Fuck the fl-. my last shift was the 15th of March, 2020. It's a Saturday night, I think. So no one in the city. It was quiet. You could kind of tell something was coming. And closed up at two or three o'clock in the morning, went home. And a few of us met up for a drink and whatever. And like, like the bar is not looking like it's not going to open for Paddy's day. That was on the Tuesday. We're like, what's? We don't know what's going to happen. So we all just booked a booked a one way ticket back to Ireland. We're like, fuck this. Yeah, but like everyone laughed at us. Like there was five of us that ended up flying together on the on the Sunday, and everyone's like, ah, you're fucking mad. Why are you going home for sure? Look, it'll be grand. It'll pass. You know, this. I'm sure, they're not saying it's going to last too long. Excuse me, and. They were all wrong two, three weeks later. A lot of people started just like, just went home, you know. Now, we, I could go home. My friends could go home. They were able to travel back and forth. But it was just the unknown, you know. Isn't it amazing the way we all just forget how much of a fuck everyone got? How fucked everyone was? Yeah. I don't I don't forget. No. I it, definitely it, don't like forget. It was, it was just, yeah, but people go on as if it, it, this didn't happen. Just the world literally came to stop. Yeah. That's yeah. it. But it, it like, I was very lucky. I was able to get unemployment over there because I, you know, I'd been paying into taxes for years. But there's a lot of people that, 
people that we forget that are, you know, undocumented are over there that had saved up so much for years, worked so hard for and had to move home. Like, I know a couple of guys that were living there for two months and were like, you know, kind of just riding it out to see, you know, would things open? They were saying, oh, maybe June we'll be back to normal. You know, they still have to pay rent. They still have to pay bills. They still have to eat, you know. Were you walking over dead bodies in the street over there? No, no. Well, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. No, but before, like, did you see all these sick people? (gasps) No, I didn't see it. Because, like, before everything knocked out, we just got on a plane and went home. Did anyone you know get really, really sick? Um, a few friends of mine were kind of sick. But In sick. ICU? No, nothing that. You? No, nobody. No, I didn't. Either. Funny that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just like, well, my my granny passed away just before COVID and I'm kind of... Kind of <laughs> this could be awkward. <laughs> yeah. Just wind that back there. Yeah, like, but it that was the 12th of March, but... That's what I wanted to go back to was not being able to go home to her funeral was horrible. Like she didn't die of COVID, but. You couldn't travel then? I could travel home, but I would have had to isolate them when I went back, you know, so. So going back a bit, from the time that you went out to the time that COVID happened, how many years in between there that you were there as a career bar man uh, 15 to 1000 yeah some 5 years 5 years yeah. and in the 5 years was there a time where you went oh god I'm so lonely I miss home or, um, like you know wait, you're, you're making money everything's good everyone thinks you're living the dream at home and you're yeah. there god I miss home I want to be at yeah, home yeah I, I so do bad. know what it is for the first couple of years as I said I didn't go home for any of the Christmas but I'd still go home during the summer that was the the, the joys of where I ended up bartending was, you know, getting time off during the summer was never a problem. So I you got you were busy though. I remember reaching out to you. I was in New York, and you were like, "Dude, I'm just, I'm, just, yeah. I'm hammered. I can't. Yeah, I can't get out. I can't get out." Yeah. What he was, was your busy. work day? What What was the? Well, I was. I ended up leaving the job in Wall Street after about a year, year and a half. I ended up moving up into Midtown, up near Grand Central, to a bar called Mulligans, and worked for. Two, three lovely guys. Two of them are now retired out of the business, but it was a great spot, great bar. You know what kind of bar? It was kind of that construction type of bar. You know, office people in the area. You know, like ten o'clock in the morning, you could have forty construction guys sitting down having breakfast that have been working since. So like a restaurant. Yeah, but it was rough and ready. And like, they won't give out to me for saying that it was, it was that kind of, like it was clean, don't get me wrong, it was a clean spot, but it was that kind of, you know. Working man. Yeah, working man, blue collar kind of spot, you know, there was no airs or graces about it, you know, whether you were the iron worker sitting at the bar or some guy that's fucking doing finance of 500 million, there's both sitting beside each other, but you know, you're still getting the same crack out of them, you know. when they come to sit at the bar, that kind of all leaves them. It's, you know. If I asked you what the biggest cultural difference is between the average person in New York that you were dealing with to a normal Irish person, what would it be? Jesus, I don't know. The, the, the New York is just, people are just so driven. Like it's, it's, it's money, it's hours. It's like people don't realise here, New Yorkers could be working 14 hours in an office like. It, there's no, it doesn't sleep. It's constant, constant, constant. Yeah. 
Well, it's only the land of the free if you have money, the home of the brave if, if you don't have it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, now, because it's such a divide, but yeah, it, I don't know whether there's a huge difference between Irish and America. I don't know. It's like, I think family. I, I think Irish people are very family orientated. Like some of the big holidays and especially from working like Thanksgiving, you know, it'd be like Christmas for here, for us. Like, you know, it's everyone's here as family, all cousins coming over. I'm going to cook dinner this year where I work Thanksgivings. I used to do a double shift. I used to open and close on a Thursday and I'd have these couples come in every year, the same couples, which was lovely. But they never spent like family was like, nah, they're all like, we don't really talk to them and son's living in Europe or something. And it's just the two of them, which is kind of sad. Had you a girlfriend over there? Um, I'd wonder too, in the earlier years, but not in stuck. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Is it maybe it was working? Me. Well, it was working oh. bars and nights. And yeah. Yeah. Were, were they Irish girls or American Irish girls? girls? Yeah, I never, never really. I found them very high maintenance. Here you're racist now, Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> here you're racist now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Kind of got so when I first moved over, I ended up meeting a girl from Long Island, and kind of just freaked me out a bit. Like I was only there maybe six months, and it was like she came from like a not wealthy but like comfortable family out in Long Island. Her dad had a good job, her mom had a good job, and like the, it's all about money with some of them. It's like, so can you provide for me, and can you, you know? I'm like, oh no, fuck this. So. No, so after COVID, what did you do during COVID? Uh, when I moved home first, which is, what was it? We were two weeks in Cavan up in Ballyconnell staying in a, friend's, a friend of ours. Her parents had a house and we isolated. Ballyconnell? It, up in Ballyconnell, That's yeah. That's a happening spot. Yeah, really is. Quinn country. So yeah. there wasn't a whole lot happening back there. Like when we moved back first, like we were staying in this housing estate. And there was five of us and we just isolated for two weeks. Then we went, we got tested like the second week. It was weird. It, it drove me fucking crazy. I, I really couldn't get my head around this, you know, can't go here, can't. <clears throat> it must have been some shock to the system going from New York, working in busy bars to Ballyconnell. To Ballyconnell, <laughs> isolating and like walking to, walking to Super Value or not walking. We drove to Super Value to get like a big shop for the two weeks and masks and gloves and, you know. Crazy, yeah. It was so the, only, the only good thing about it is I had a Q5 rented for the couple of weeks, so I was delighted with that. And had you a ball of money now when you came home? I wouldn't say the ball of money, I was comfortable, like you know, yeah, like, no woman spending it on you, anyways. What you're actually no, telling is if you're no board from Long Island reaching no, out, and no, that's for sure. No, like I, I wouldn't say, like you'd hear lads all you, you're, you know, like I still enjoy myself, you know, when I used to come home. Always rent a nice car. We had a good contact in Dublin Airport. That's Everyone would be thinking though that you make. Yeah, like, them. but you wouldn't really tell them a whole lot anyway. Like, you know, let them let them think whatever they want. You know, they're gonna find out now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, I was salary details in the notes below. I wouldn't say I'd be. F I'm not flashy. I'm not that type of person. But I like. You know. Well, you came up here now when he he had the biscuits. <laughs> Maryland oh. cookies. You don't bring up Maryland cookies unless you're fucking balling, boys. <laughs> That's a fact. You never come to a house empty-handed, Chuck, right? That That's, is very true. I was that is very true. taught that very young. I have a uh, habit of... It's interesting to note that you both bought, bought the same biscuits. Yeah, yeah. 
I have an awful habit of going into people's houses and looking in their fridge. It's an awful bad habit. You did it in my house. Yeah, I have just a habit when I get a little bit nervous. I just stare in the fridge. Jesus, I never go root. And I remember going to an ex-girlfriend's house my first day there, and I was nervous. And I looked in the fridge. Nothing in the fridge. I wasn't not in the fridge. It was not night light anyway. Oh, not in your light. <laughs> What's this chorizo? What's this? Greek yogurt. Like what there's no the taste hell? on it. What the fuck's that? Yeah. Like? Fuck's sake. Your milk's out there. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go to the shop. So what did you do then? So you're you're home and you're tested. Yeah, you so don't have we AIDS. got tested. We went to Ballyhays, got tested. Um, we ended up coming back down home and glad to see mum and dad, my brother. And dad goes to me, I'm going to go and re-roof the house. I said, what? I'm going to re-roof the house. You know, it's the right time to do it. So my dad ordered all this, the material on the Tuesday and all the hardware is closed on the Thursday. So he, seven or 8,000 euros worth of material. So six weeks we re-roofed our house, insulated it, brand new. And did you know how to do all that? No, I learned very quickly. My brother did. Shane is very good with his hands, like he'd be hands-on, walking up the roof, no problem. I'm fucking, the first couple of days I'm... Fucking on the scaffolding and thinking going to fall off. Fucking but, spider chain. But dad's looking at me, he's like, come on, <laughs> come on, will you? Like, you'll be grand. But after the second week, I'm fucking walking around, you know, not a bother. But it was interesting. It was it was enjoyable. You know, like the, the weather was great, which was a plus. You know, it was nice. to be Good you know, bonding time. It was very good. Like dad would be, you know, a tough man, you know, be, I wouldn't say he'd be hard in us, but, you know, he's. Um, he's quiet, man. Yeah, he's in. He's great. To, he is good to be around, and it was enjoyable to to be you know learning something with him too. Like you know, and even Mam came up on the roof and gave a hand, handing up slates. It also meant though like that him. he was distracted from the stress of it. Did you? Did you? What were you thinking in your head? Like, do I go back? Do I not go back? I didn't know what. Like, do you know what? You we're didn't know what to go back to because yeah. everyone was closed. Well, like. New York was, from what I was told, was on curfews. You know, they, and you had your apartment there just idle. We're still paying rent. Well, I do you know what I was living with two girls at the time. They were still there. They respect. were living. Yeah, they were still living there and that. So nudge, 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 nudge. Respect. Yeah, no, is it like an episode of Friends? <laughs> uh, Rachel, I'll take you tonight. <laughs> no, no, it definitely wasn't like that. Um, but no, they. One of the girls kept uh, kept the place till I came back, and then came back. When was it? August. But that, that whole summer was just weird. Like the first lockdown when everything opened up. I think there was 20 of us went to Killarney partying. So we couldn't yeah. wait to get there the fuck out of there. was a big blowout then, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. very big blowout. I but remember. When yeah. you went back, like, did you hate going back? Had you went, oh, I miss home now. I actually want to stay. Or did you? were you anxious to get back Well, do you know Norman? what? When I was home, when I came back... You know what? There was nothing. You couldn't really apply for anything. There was nothing really happening. But when I went back in August to New York, I was like, it, it wasn't the same. It, you d- I didn't have that same feeling of when I used to come back, you know, on holidays and you'd fly into JFK and you'd see the skyline. You'd be kind of get them butterflies and you'd be like, I didn't get that in August when I went back. I just, it's like... This, this again Yeah it, it it just didn't feel It didn't feel right And I even went back In to see My boss And to see how They were getting on And the bar It was Like they had seating outside It was You couldn't have anyone inside And I kind of said to him I was like No this isn't for me And it was probably A bit selfish I was like You know 
maybe I should be just putting the head down and trying it, but the whole thing of masks and fucking wiping things, I was like, no, I have no patience for this shit. I, and so many people did, and, you know, fair play to them, like, bula bus, because, you know, some people had to, you know. So what did you do? Oh, farted about for two months, thinking of, like, oh, will I go and do, will I go back to bartending or whatever, and I was like, you know, maybe not, maybe just go home and maybe give it a give it a go at home. A few friends of mine had come back and packed up and were like, you know, what, we're going to move home and see what happens but yeah went moved first of November came back packed everything up in boxes and just moved home didn't uh, even care just had your yeah I, you know it was just in my head I was like you know what I'm, I'm just gonna go home you know this is like we're still in COVID it was still whatever and I said you know what this is the chance to go home and see if I wanted to move home and you know reached out applied for on post applied for couple of other jobs you know and hoping you know the on post one I was kind of hoping you know cause doing what postman yeah I was kind of like you know what I wanted him to be a guard so bad yeah that kind of well COVID really knocked me off the guards all the, all together when I seen how things went like just the way people were being treated at checkpoints and that I was like no I couldn't be dealing with that and I always wanted to be a guard growing up always from a young age and it just totally turned me off it but I was kind of thinking on posts, you know, you're on your own, you're out seeing, meeting people, whatever. Garrett is a fierce, tough job now. Oh yeah, no. It but is. I just, it's just because of his, the, the way he was the, and the way he is, I just thought he would make a, a brilliant guard just from knowing him. Yeah. As much as I know And I him. had the contacts, like Woodlands was flooded with guards, so you'd always had contact of, you know, helping to get into it. But just the COVID just kind of turned me so off. So what did you get after? Ended up just doing a couple of days here and there with Dad. I, I, do you know what? I didn't know where I was, Dave. To be very honest, it was. So is it a very lost time? For you? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far to say it was dark, but it was just very lost. Just and like my girlfriend now, I had met when I came back the August, September, October, and we kind of kept in touch, and we'd met over the Christmas and whatnot, and you know, it, it was kind of. For her to be able to talk to her, every, I was talking to her every day. We never missed a day on Snapchat talking or chatting and she'd even admit it herself. Like, I, I was totally lost. I didn't know what to do. I really didn't. And I'd be kind of just looking for things to do with dad or whatever. Or uncle, you know, he was just a bit of farming and whatever. And He didn't and, even reach out to me. You know. Why is that? I don't know. I just, I just, I didn't know what to do. I really didn't, you know. No one, yeah, it's a weird one. It, 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 it's a time in life I, I kind of want to forget. And you were also in a position where you didn't have to do anything. No, you didn't, but I'm not that type of person that I can't sit around. You know, I really, like, someone told me, geez, if you go down and pick up fucking tires down in Cork for me, yeah, no problem. I'll go down and do that for you. You know, it was just, just to do something, just to get out and, but, yeah, it, how long, how did you get out of that limbo? Well, I suppose chatting back and forth to the girlfriend, or well, girlfriend now, you know, I was kind of like, you know what? I think nothing's going to materialise here. So I was like, you know what? I think it's maybe time to give it a chance and maybe go back. And, you know, I did. I went back at the end of June. 
back to New York. Yeah. To do the same work? Yeah, I wasn't going to, I said I wasn't going to go into bartending and I did. And I ended up going into a place and worked there for a year. Where was that? It was up on 55th and 6th Avenue. It was Cassidy's. Yeah, it was a tough spot. It was. It was. Um, In what way? I just, I wouldn't say the clientele. Like it was, it was a later spot. It was like you wouldn't get finished till four, five in the morning. What were they like to work with? They were fine. People were fine to work with. It was just, you know, we got a lot of industry, as we would call it over there. So a lot of like waitresses, chefs, bartenders. And, you know, some some nights there it was just rough, you know, fights and shit like that. And I'd never really had that in the other bars. And I remember one night, Jesus, we were working. I think it was just coming up to Christmas and it was busy. It was very busy. There's two or three of us on. And it's like two in the morning and we had just put in a pool table into the room next door. They had done up the bar and I was kind of back and forth checking on them. You know, I was working with a Mexican guy at the time and, you know, no offense, but he hadn't got the, you know, wouldn't say authority, but just presence mm. that I did. You know, I was a lot taller than him or whatever, but been able to deal with people. And I remember walking so in. So I'd either be the kind of boun- bouncer. Yeah, you as were. Well. You were a bouncer, bartender, fucking whatever you want to call it, um, shrink, <laughs> whatever. Like it was, it was just mad. And I remember two lads going at it, two friends fighting over two fucking Colombian women. Who's going to bring who home? And I was like, lads, calm the fuck down. Or you're bought out. Done. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. Anyway, I wasn't buying the bar five minutes. And one of the chefs from the uh, restaurant across the street comes in and is like, Aaron, you, you need to come in here. Your man had literally pulled up pint glass and smashed it in his friend's face. I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm brutal with blood, by the way. If anyone that knows me, I'd faint like that. But I don't know what it was. Just his whole face was just covered in that blood, gashed all the way across. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And your man's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, get the fuck out. So everyone's pushing him out onto the street, making sure the cops aren't called because that's bad for the bar. You, you, you don't want you don't want cops coming all the time because it affects bar license and stuff like that. But yeah, I just remember being down in the bathroom with two or three other guys just trying to wrap something around this guy's head. And I was like, I'm going to call an ambulance. He's like, no, no, don't call an ambulance. Fucking, you call an ambulance in New York, it's $800. Is it? Yeah. If you don't have insurance, you're in serious trouble. Yeah, you're. That's and that's the cost of taking a ride on the bus. Dollars. <laughs> so Jesus. he was like, yeah, health, no. healthcare. You, you don't have healthcare insurance out there. You're. They they ask you when you're going out there to do anything. Yeah. You so know, we just we stuck insurance. him in an Uber. One of his friends like, we'll just put him in an Uber. We'll bring him up a east side to Mount Sinai. And we'll get him sorted. So he was fine in the end, but it was just. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was like. I'd be coming home and I'd be like, do you know what? You know, my girlfriend would be like, oh, just it's time to. Were you like passing ships in the night then because you were oh, coming yeah, in at five like, o'clock in the morning? I could be coming in at half, five, six o'clock in the morning and, you know. You were very lucky in hindsight that you had the girlfriend during that Yeah, time. no, very lucky. Very lucky. And, you know. Would you be a bit of a loner apart from that? Uh, or did you stay close to all your friends? Oh, no, I'd still be. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say I'd have loads of friends. I'd be that type of person that have, 
you know, to have two or three guys they text. And we wouldn't be texting all the time. Like, you know, we just phone call here and there, you know. We wouldn't be, I wouldn't be one of those, these, like, lads that would be, have to be fucking texting one of the lads every day. It'd be, oh, now and again, you know. So you had enough of that bar then? Yeah, so I ended up leaving that and I actually worked it around. I was like, okay, if I leave the job now at the end of July, um, I go home now for a couple of weeks and chill out at home and play a bit of golf or whatever. And then I'll come back and I'll go look for something. And I was like, will I go construction route? And I was like, will I go drive machines, which I absolutely love, but... What kind of machines? Oh, big, anything. Big tractor. Man. Anything. Go on, talk to me about machines. I like I these love things. <laughs> track machines, diggers. Or, diggity dig digs. Oh, yeah. Do you drive diggity dig dig? I'm not a great track machine driver, but any, I'd like give me anything else. I'd have no problem. Lurries, anything. We used to, so we, we go to work when, when Aaron was working for me, we moved out to Mead. And Aaron, we used to pick Aaron up on the way. He used to go to his grandmother's house and we'd pick yeah. him up from Hot the Granny. Yeah, and we pick him up from the the granny's house in Clane, and he'd come in with us, and we had a we had a we had a bullnose, a little baby bullnose as well. And so there was three of us across the front, and he'd sit in the middle. And I always I always said that I wanted to get one of those, you know, those those perspex dome roofs put on the van, because <laughs> he he'd be oh, what's in that field? He'd be up looking around, looking around, looking around, and he'd be pushing out the way. Let's what the what's the what's the oh, there's a machine in there? There's a tractor in there, and a tractor. And we wanted to put this little dome in the roof so he could stick his head out through the roof like that and look oh, yeah. around it all. Still am, still am terrible at that love like. how did you not um, when you'd have all the construction guys that you'd know over in America and go give, give us a go at the site I want to go on while you're yeah, I, yeah I know like and I know two guys that, that work in pile, pile driving like ground work like they'd, these guys had put up the the high rises when mm. they'd do the ground work for it yeah I never like I was asked you know would I and then I was like oh you know would I not just maybe go the other route or something? Because I felt like if I go down the route of driving machines, will I end up hating them then? Will I be like, fuck this, you know? But who knows? Maybe someday I might go down that route. But I my, So many people have different paths. Like most people, I think, say from my point of view, you, you take the path that you have to take. Because yeah. you don't have a choice, you know, right? I have wife, chaps. I, yeah. I can't wait to choose. I, I yeah. just have to fucking just yeah. do it. And and hopefully I'll get to like it. And if I don't, I'll make myself. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know what? Like, I could have easily, even before I moved to New York, I could have easily been one of those, as you call them, Illuminati, you know, silage guys. Like, so easily, hmm. you know. And and you'd love that as well. Oh, I Jesus. Like, we were at a wedding the other day up in Cavan and... For two friends, friend of mine was getting married, and uh, we were we went up the night before because my girlfriend hadn't met anyone, and I hadn't really met many of the the party either. So it was nice just go up meet everyone, and we're sitting outside the front of Crover House. We're just out in the veranda having drinks. Whole lot of tractors <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> just, just big side, the big nine seventy class lifting grass, and Clearly. then every two minutes I'm like looking up over the hedge, and Celine's like, "Will you just sit down, please?" Or like, just take it easy. And I was like, no, I've, every time I'd be like, I'd have to look up and try to get a glimpse. But next morning, I was, she went to get her hair done. I was like, ah, oh, go for a walk around the grounds. <laughs> I made it like 50 yards out to the main gate and they're like right across the road. 
Right. Myself and this older fella just standing there like two kids. Licking the, these, yeah. licking, licking the gate. Yeah, just watching these tr- tractors going in and out. But yeah, that's the type of... That's how I think I am with airplanes and stuff. Yeah. I think I always think that... Like, airplanes? Yeah, I love airplanes and helicopters and stuff. Do you? Yeah, when I see them, I lose my mind. Like yeah. when, if you look at my Instagram, it's nearly all like fighter jets and <laughs> yeah. airplanes. And in my head, I'm thinking, I know well I could fly one of them. <laughs> It's funny funny you say that So I remember saying to Aaron You know Because he lived in New York And only in New York Didn't he I said to him So if you had your chance To go back to America Where would you go? And he goes San Diego Yeah Down to Fighter Town I love San Diego Why? Yeah I You know what A friend of mine That I met Through my girlfriend When we went back During Covid Him and his wife Lived in San Diego And he was always like Oh, you should come over, come over and visit. So, yeah, a couple of months after meeting him, he was like, yeah, come out to San Diego. So I was like, perfect. And I fucking loved it. By the ocean. So relaxed. No honking horns. No it's, a, it's a completely it's laid back. Place. Oh, it is yeah, so yeah. laid back. But that's where Fighter Town is with the fighter, you know, like in Top Gun. Oh, they're so cool. There's a big, it's there's a big, big fighter town. People there, in just lovely cars, you know, bikes it's you know very relaxed everyone's real chill you know it was i was like this is really nice and there's a lovely bar in pacific beach where he lives called the highness and it's like it's like um what you call it um when the sun goes down i'm just i'm losing thought here like sunset bar it's the bar closes when the sun goes down and it's just so calm to the deck and everyone's just chilling out having beers but i i loved it I just, I says, if I'm never, if, if I wasn't to move back to Ireland, I'd move to California. And all the golf companies are in San Diego. Mm. Well, you're just dead set. You're moving back to Ireland. And yeah. Like, yeah. Look, I wouldn't ever rule anything out, but like, I would really love to move home at so some stage. where are you now? And what are you doing now? I'm working in safety, like in construction over in New York. So how did you get from that? I, when I came back after that three weeks and I came back to look for a job, I ended up, I was just, I went into a bar that I knew, like knew a couple of guys working in. I was just said, oh, look, I'll go in. I wasn't working. So I was like, go in, grab a drink, bite eat. And I ended up sitting sitting down beside a guy that used to come into the bar all the time when I worked in Mulligan's and from Monaghan. And he's like, uh, oh, what's going on? And he literally just walked in just to charge his phone. So the two of us just met by pure chance. Yeah. And he was like, what's going on? What are you doing with yourself? I said, I'm actually unemployed, which is first I'd ever, like, I was never unemployed, which was weird to say. But he's like, oh, I'm looking for someone to kind of just set up the jobs, you know, organize warehouse, do health and safety and that on the sites and whatnot. And I was like, okay. And kind of got chatting and, He's like, what does this entail and what would I be doing? And See, construction guys over there, it's not like here where John arrives up with his big van and all his tools and, you know, the construction guys over there, it's like a little case. That's all they carry around. They'll just carry their own few bits. You have to set up the jobs for whoever's going to be there, the four or five, so you're bringing all the gang boxes. What's the gang tool- box? Like a big toolbox on wheels. That's what they call them over there, a gang box. And you'd bring two or three in and cabinets, just getting, you know, a shanty set up for them. And do you do a course for that? No, you don't have to do a course for that. No, it's you have fucking to, brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, you, you yeah. don't have to do, co- you have to do courses for the safety, all right. It's not like, 
here where it's the safe pass where you sit down all day. You actually have to go on and do. That must have been some that. change from getting huge, up early in the morning. Huge. Did you change. like it? Yeah, I actually do. Well, I am. I wouldn't say I'm a morning person, but I, I enjoy getting up. He is a morning person. <sighs> I enjoy getting up early. So, how I, long are you at that now? Uh, I'm at it a year. You enjoying uh, it? Yeah, I do like it. I, what are I like about it. on big buildings. Yeah, we're on skyscraper. We're, we're working on the Empire State Building at the moment. Fuck off! Yeah, so I'm like going up. He to took a picture of the video of the crane went in fire and sent yeah. it the other day. I was seen on it in the news. Big crane that the the boom yeah. fell on Tenth Avenue. I was literally was a block or two away from that. He was the health and safety officer. I was. Yeah. That was the day <laughs> you were on. You <laughs> fucked up everything. You had one fucking job, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, weird. We've got to tighten the screw on that. Oh. Yeah. That was. It was weird because I was driving down. I was actually going into Hilty on Ninth Avenue to pick up stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? The traffic. And I'd be like, what's going on? You know. But ended up getting to like Forty Second Street, Ninth Avenue, and it's like, what the fuck's going on? It's big value of smoke out of the sky and literally get to the next street and I look up and this thing's just engulfed in send flames. me a video here you are to me yeah it was Jesus Christ yeah but it, that's that, that's just New York like it's what are you doing uh, in the Empire State Building we're doing glass partitions we're doing offices on the 68th floor how long before that's finished oh it's another couple of weeks and it's going to be finished yeah it's going to be done like our jobs could vary between 68th floor think about that yeah so it's weird like what's it like in there what's the building like it's old, like it is an old building, you know, but it's one thing people won't understand is when you're going into, it doesn't even have to be the Empire State Building. If you're going to any building in New York, you're going through the loading dock, security, ID. It's like every building is different depending on how important it is. So Empire State Building, like they're pretty strict, you know, by you have to be in by eight o'clock delivering stuff. Like if we're setting guys up, we have to be there early or after eight, you're like, you're not getting in. But you that's working in the building end of it, how is it not falling down? It's fucking ancient. <laughs> well, they're like how do they keep that from They're just constantly updating, updating stuff all the time. Like, you know, but the bit the, like where we are is just probably fucking 5% of what else is going on in the rest of the building. Does it feel old when you're in it? Not really. It doesn't. Like the elevators don't anyway. It's, it's iconic though. Yeah. I was I was up the top of it up yeah. there. So was I and I found it creepy. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I found the Empire's there. I, I was just I had a vision in my head of it. Yeah. And then I walked into it and I remember walking out on one of the floors after getting out of the elevator and I was there. This is actually ancient. This is it's actually ins- ancient. Well, I think it's one of the oldest other than the Chrysler building mm-hmm. that's in Manhattan, yeah. It's it's serious though to look up at it and be like it's yeah that's the thing I found in New York when you're look when you're on the ground looking up it's, it's an incredible like, building yeah. you're, you're kidding me but it's nice when you walk up say just dropping up whatever it is paperwork or just you know material for the lads and you're like they're working on say, 68 floor and you're just having a little nosy around and you look out and you're like on a clear day it is it's a fabulous fabulous meet any famous people over in New York uh, Jesus. Yeah, I've met a few famous people. Lee, uh, Liam Neeson now I've met a couple of times just out and about. Um, Kiefer Sutherland from 24 back What's in the like? day. He's a lovely fella. He's I actually served him. It was like the baseball like world final back when I was working down on Wall Street. Um, I remember it wasn't too busy. The bar was quite enough because I think it was like on a Saturday. So Wall Street bars would be, wouldn't be too crazy. 
I remember him just walking in and I was like, I kind of learned this from Derek because I remember we were down the old head years ago and Michael Flatley was sitting at the bar and Derek's like, just, you know, you're a 17 year old and you're like, oh, I'll go over and fucking start asking for stuff. And Derek's like, no, just leave him alone. Let him do his thing. And that kind of stuck then after that. So when I served him, like he was lovely, whatever. Great crack, loves drink. He's just, I think he's... A, Alcoholic, I think, from what I've heard, but shout out to Keith or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but a lovely guy, fucking alcoholic, you know, fool. Yeah, he, uh, lovely fella, uh, real sound. And you know, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, lovely to meet you, and got a photo with him. And no, uh, who else did he tip much? He did, he did. Just, I won't ask how much. We won't. <laughs> I, I was very happy anyway, so... It was yeah. over 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you miss the bars now? I do. I do miss... I, I miss... It's the regulars I miss that used to come in. Like, I've met some incredible people working th- in the bars down through the years. Like, I remember there was one couple, they were from Georgia, and Patrick was his name. He had a lov- he'd lovely wife, lovely family. They used to come up quite a bit for work. And... I remember we got chatting one one weekend. I think it was their wedding anniversary, and he was like into golf, and I was like, "Fuck, I love golf." And he's like, "Oh, what do you play off and all this?" I was like, "Oh, like one or two. And he's like, "Oh, fuck." He's like, "Have you ever been to the Masters?" And I was like, "No, never. I would love to, love to go to the Masters." And he's like, "Well, you know what? I only live thirty minutes away." He's like, "You know, you're more than welcome to come and stay whenever you want." And I was like, "I was like, I'll keep that in mind." So. I think that was October. The following kind of January, February, I was like, just shot, shot him a text. I was like, thinking of going to the Masters in April. <laughs> Is there any chance I could come down and stay? I was like, oh, look, I'm going to rent a car, whatever. 100%. So you'd love to host you for a couple of days. So I was like, fuck, great. I didn't have a ticket because tickets were so hard to get. So booked the flight down to Atlanta, Georgia on my own. I literally went on my own. Booked lovely rental car, the uh, Dodge Challenger. Oh, nice. Um, V8, fucking class. Anyone that loves cars, yeah, driving this cool. for two and a half hours down the highway, and that uh, was pretty cool. How much to rent that for a few days? Uh, I think I had it for three days. I think it was like four or five hundred. Fucking cheap as chips. Yeah, I didn't really care how much it was going to be because I was like, I'm doing this didn't care. now. Didn't yeah, care. Didn't I was care. like, this you, is a one. Were, ma- were you making so much bank at the head and safety? No, at the bar. The bar at the oh, time. The bar. Yeah. But it was, you know what? It was a once in a lifetime chance to go to the Masters. I was like, you know what? For the f- whatever couple of days. Did you meet that dickhead there? N- no. You were there, but I don't think I met you. Ah, no. He'd be I up was there. there. He'd he be with the higher I'm echelons. Very, very, very he, important. You know, so. he'd be, you know, he rolls in a higher crowd. Yeah. He'd know? be sitting in behind the, the white picket fence yeah. going like this with his mm, Arnold yeah. Palmer with the rest I was of sitting in, I was sitting in with Kiefer Sutherland. Mm, yeah, with all the... Did you know he blocks my number from his phone when he's with all those important people? Yeah. I, Doesn't do. he I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, he'd be embarrassed saying he knows uh, me. I know. But, um... Yeah, arrived down and I swear to God, I've never seen a house like it. It was like this, like the ideal. Isn't that one of the things though about America and I've, I've had the same situation when somebody says to you, come and stay. They mean it. They genuinely mean yeah, it. Like, um, Whereas over here people say, oh yeah, give us a show if you're down around and you'd be like, yeah, how are you Charlie? Who? Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like. What a weirdo. Yeah. When you meet, when you meet like some American people they are literally like that it's 
what you see is what you get. If they like you, you know, they're so engrossed with you. And that was the same with, with Patrick. He was like coming in for years, got to make, kind of got a relationship going just from over the counter. And then, you know, getting invited down and came into the house and it was real like Southern America. It was like big pickup truck outside, you know, and... Did they have a porch? That lovely porch. The lovely pool. I still keep in touch. Yeah, I te- like mightn't text for six months and just get a text. Oh, I'm in New York. Come and meet me for a drink. So, I'd, you know, I was always good at like, even when I wasn't, when I'm out of the industry now, I'd still try if someone texts, could you meet up for a coffee or a drink? I was like, yeah. I text me, say he's too busy. <laughs> just saying. Hey, look, Derek, if you were nicer to people when they were at the Masters, maybe you <laughs> wouldn't have these things happening. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I went down and American flag on the on the porch and just real America proud. And he brings me into the his garage and it's fucking golf buggies, quad bikes, ATVs, and they live in this gated community on a golf course. So a gay community, gated, gay, oh. gated community. It's so not wrong with being gay. No, does not. Not wrong with being gated. No, no. no. Um, but uh, he brings me over. He's like. Uh, this is my uh, gun cabinet. It's like, oh, really? Oh, that's like, the freakiest thing. I like, like that as well. And it's like, do you know what? Because like... And do they want to show you? Yeah. All they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, down there it's different to up where we are in New York. It's How big was this cabinet? Was you? Well, it was able one? to hold two AR-15s and 10 handguns. Like an AR-15, like a... So it was like a uh, scene from Commando. Yeah, yeah so this, I have the same similar, similar situation. A friend of mine called Michael, and he, the garage is the same. And he went in, and he has this big case on the wall. It's like a big, it's like a big wardrobe, yeah. for want of a better word. And he puts his thumb against the thing, and it's it's yeah, metric. And the door opens, and he hits the button, and this thing is on a revolving. It's like a lazy Susan, but it has all guns in it. Fuck off! And God, and he has all the handguns laid out. He ate everything. I was just saying, it was there, and I'm yeah. like that. Really? But I was like. And you know what? I was maybe I shouldn't have asked. I was like, "Why the fuck do you need these many guns?" Yeah, I was like, "Well, you know, if someone comes and tries to rob my house, it's like, who's trying to rob your house?" You know, like I can understand, you know, they want to secure the house, but it's a bit overkill. Like. If that was Ireland now, to be all the neighbors would be calling to you to shoot their dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think, uh, and I've seen that a lot, yeah. especially in the south. They tend to buy them because they can rather yeah. than they need them. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, like he didn't need all those guns, but we went to get beer down the local store and he's like, oh, you grabbed me a wallet there. It's just in the fucking glove box and there's a fucking nine mil handgun in the, like, it's crazy. It is like, it's crazy because you don't expect it. Because over here, like, if you've seen a guy with a shotgun in the back of the van, you'd be like, oh, bit of shooting there at the weekend. But I've started to f- see a few things lately, though. That I could do a nine millimeter handgun. Skip on from that quick. <laughs> that that could take a while. I would, we could be a while talking about that. So, are you you're mad to come home? At some stage, yeah. You just have, but you have enough of kind of New York, do you? No, not yet. Not like I, you know, another couple of years. There is still a lot to see, and but you, you come know, home a lot. Yeah, I do. Probably too much sometimes. So, how often do you come home? What's your timeline on stuff now? Uh, every fortnight yeah <laughs> fucking I should have shares in Aer Lingus by this stage but they know your first name <laughs> hey Aaron yeah hey Aaron yeah but um, yeah three times a year have you flown business class yet 
only twice, but by pure mistake. Isn't it class? It is lovely. And it was coming back oh. to New York, which was even better because it's a longer flight. But yeah, it was just by chance, you're one giving my seat away. And she's like, oh, we're just going to upgrade you. I was like, grand, like, where are you upgrading me? 10th or 11th, like that row? No, uh, into business class, uh, 4D. I was like, oh, wow. And I was like... Get the I, duvet out I quick. was like, I was so like, maybe I didn't... Like, do the right thing but I was just sitting there drinking ginger ale for the whole fucking flight like you a, drank like ginger a, ale like a fucking so you're, idiot you're like living two lives really you're kind of half in you're half out with, with like I, I'm trying yeah. so if you're from the perspective of imagine all the young lads that are out there now and they're wanting to go we just want to go like what are the positives and the negatives of just um, going I, I don't think well the negatives is getting the visa like that's the hard part is being able to get the visa you know well, imagine we have the visa we have the, the, it's all positive go like if I was to look back when I first moved it's you know you can do anything over in America it doesn't matter where you are you can like as I said I didn't know anything about you know construction or anything as long or as you're said, wi- if you're willing if you're to work willing, if you're willing to work and, and work hard yeah like there's you know there's numerous opportunities and especially for you know all along the spectrum of people like whether you're farming background or you know worked in an office or whatever like don't be afraid to give anything a a go like I know guys bartending that are from the back arse of Leithram and all they know is driving Massey Ferguses and, and you know dosing cattle to. But but you say that though, right? Yeah. But yet you're thinking about coming home. And all the things that you've spoken about are very rooted here in Ireland, i.e. tractors and silage and... Yeah. So, like David said, you're half in, half out. And he asked you, was rather the negatives? He said, no negatives, it's all positive. But yet you're not thinking about staying. So is it like, is it the people that you're missing and the culture? I think or, it's... I think if like I'm 31, like not uh, by any means old, but if I want, I, I'd love to be able to raise a family here. I couldn't see myself raising a family in New York. Why not? You get me? I don't know. I just, it's just the homeliness of being home. And have you, you know, a car being, here? Yeah. Sitting there, well, I have a van outside, but that's because rental cars are too expensive. So you just bought one? I just bought one. You're so happy in half out. Oh, I'm telling you. You're so happy. Because here, here's what a lot of people that follow me, Especially on Snap, is it Snapchat you follow me? No, Instagram. Right, so most people that follow me, especially on Snapchat, are all people working away, US, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere. Mm. And all of them say the same thing. They'd love to be home, right? Everyone misses home, you miss your family, you miss all the things. But you, you can't make, you can't proceed in life as quick and as fast in Ireland as you can there. No. Because whatever it is about the US... And especially Australia, if, if you're willing to work hard, you're going to get up in the morning, you're just going to go. You're just going to go. You're going to make money. Yeah. And you're going to, you could start your own business. And if your business is going well and you're working hard, you're going to make money. Yeah. Yeah. In Ireland, you have this thing where if your business starts going well, they tax you today. Yeah. You can't get anyone to work. And it, like Ireland has been really choked at this time. It's really, really difficult. For people, there's a lot of extra fight. Yeah, if you wanted to work like, here, even say if I move home in two years' time or four years' time, you're not making it easy. You're not. It's not made easy to be able to move home. You know, even if you have a ton of money, there's still a fucking million hoops that you have to, you know, jump through. Like, 
the government aren't making it easier for people to buy a house by any means. You know, like I, I remember reading on the news, or we're going to be the first generation that won't be able to, you know, go and buy a house or. What you makes know? you stay in New York and not move somewhere else? I think else it's, well, it, it's the f- people that I've met over there. I've met some incredible, I have some great friends there. And the, the money, it's like you can you can do anything over there and, and, and work hard and save, you know. Would you switch it up and go to San Diego? No, I don't know. I don't know. Even though you really like it? Yeah, well, I like a lot of things, but... Is San Francisco <coughs> really a cesspool now? San Francisco. San Francisco is. I don't. San Diego isn't. San Diego's yeah. further south. Yeah, it's further south. But yeah. San Francisco seemingly like uh, something out of Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, all that homeless. West Coast is like Seattle all the way down, because the weather doesn't change. It it could be twenty degrees all year round. So you know, it's great for homeless. It's literally, people shitting on the streets. Yeah. Well, New York is like that in places too. Like, it's what's the maddest thing you've seen? Oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah, give us some stories, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, give us some New York. Do you know the this dancing naked cowboy? Yeah, I've met him once or twice. He was wearing my glasses last week. I saw I've that. seen that on mm. on Instagram. All right, yeah. you're fierce proud about. Ah, I was delighted. <laughs> you're proper famous. I was delighted. I was you have delighted. a lot of people in New York following yeah. you. Yeah, loads of people messaging me. Yeah, and I do often wonder. I, I wish that when I was out there, I had have started my channel because yeah. there'd be so many people. Met, but most of them work in construction. Yeah. Most of them work in construction. Yeah. But the, the one of the funny thing was is when when Aaron connected the dots with you and I, he then started to tell me about how important you were to him in America. Yeah, it's the bit of home and like I have an interest in what you do, like you know machines. machines oh, one hundred percent. Like I won't lie with that. And just the truck side of things. Like I do like when back in the day, some videos of you and your brother Barry or stuff like yeah. that, and just the trucks and what they had, and you know. It's and the excessive amount of skill that we had, you know. Yeah. And the devastatingly good looks. And so <laughs> modest as well. Yeah. And the face aids. Yeah. Face aids. I heard, I heard about you that. Say well, I didn't aids. notice it, but now that you say it is, is yeah. It's horrible, isn't it? Well, what is it? It's, it's like fucking Satan ejaculated all over my face and burnt the shit out of it. Did that actually happen or is that? No. <laughs> I don't know what happened. So I woke up on Thursday morning and my face was literally burning off me. Like really, really sore. And when I opened my mouth, I could feel it cracking. Have you been putting makeup on? Here's, you're not too far off, right? Yeah. So on last Tuesday night, Lily, put, I let her put a face mask on me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only other thing that I can think of. That's and it. I was serving. You probably got an allergic, allergic reaction to I got an allergic mask. reaction to something. But it's really, it was really sore. But I'm not going to cry about it. I'm okay. I put some cream on. I went to the chemist. They said it's grand. So we'll move on from the face aids. Yeah. But he used to use you as his kind of a connection with home, which yeah. I think is really cool. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted Aaron to come and tell his story because number one, I, I thought it was really interesting. Here's a guy that wanted to go out. Well, didn't really want to go out, but when you get out there, you realize it was a great thing. Yeah. Then he, he's thinking about coming home. Yeah. And a lot of people would think that it's the person, but the other, the other side of it was you know what how important you were. And you don't realise it, how important you are to people like him. Now, you're flirting. No, it, no, no, no. But this is true, David. And you don't sometimes take credit for the the, con- the, the connection that you give to someone like Aaron. Yeah, but I think it's it's the people you used to bring on and still bring on. You know, like Morris's story, incredible. Like yeah. what I liked about it is it's very open. You know, it's I, I feel like a lot of people just. Like the thing that's going on in RT, God forbid if you said it to some people, they'd be like, oh no, God, poor Ryan or whatever. Mm. I feel with the people you bring on or people you talk to, they have great stories, but they're not afraid, you know, to 
you know, go left at the Y or... Well, I think the thing is, once you get someone on, yeah, they're willing to have a two-hour conversation or an hour and a half conversation. If you're going to have an hour and a half conversation with someone, you're going to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to be good. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's just nice to see people like Morris and a couple of other people that aren't afraid. And I would be in the same category. I, like, Well, I said it to him first and he was like, no, no, I will go on. Yeah, I know, but I think it's once you kind of... You know, it's not afraid. You shouldn't be afraid to, you know, talk about whatever. Like yeah. it's flipping back to New York. What's what's the scariest thing now that you start to see in that society? Now that you've been in it, you've been in it a long time now. So what 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 are the downsides? The scary side to New York. The scary sides, like the dark sides, because it's all you, you. It was all good up to now. The only thing we heard about was a bar brawl, but like you must see. So you're a young lad, and you're heading out to work. You're leaving your mammy and daddy for the first time. What do they need to watch out for? What is scary out there now? There's a there's a lot of attacks on the on the trains. The train, the subways are so bad. Like Indians. Well, it's like midgets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> midgets. But um, no, like the amount of people that have been pushed onto tra- in front of trains ha- has gone through the roof. It really, it's scary. Like, like say for me coming home, like I would use the subways a lot for work if I'm not driving, you know, going from job to job. And, you know, you'd always walk along the side of the, you know, just at the edge comfortably years ago. You know, you wouldn't have really bat an eyelid of anyone around you. But now everyone's standing in the middle because they're so fucking afraid of well, someone. Just, just psychotic r- people. Just, just, well, you see, the problem is now in New York is because we're a sanctuary city. So we get all the immigrants. We get everything. Like, there's one hotel, which isn't too far away from my old bar, and it's not far from Grand Central, where you have millions of tourists coming out of every year. They have all migrants now tented around the hotel and in the hotel. And, like, you know, it's, it is it is scary. Like, you don't know what's going to happen or who you're going to meet in the street. Like, like Times Square... Before COVID, you'd walk through it at four or five in the morning, no problem. Now, you'd be fucking afraid to walk through it because you just don't know who you're going to meet. Like, there's so much homeless. There's so much like they're not given true figures of the crime in New York. Like it's it's nearly at eight nineteen eighties again. Like you know, it really is. Jeez, why would they push in front of the train? I don't get that's, that. That's to, what's to, happening. It's just, die. just random, random pushing people. There's like some people out there attacked. just want to watch the world burn. You know, there. it's it. that is one thing that's really scary. And like even like the bars now, you don't know who's coming in. You don't know who you're serving. Like you just, that's why, you know, a lot of bars now are putting people on the door and because, you know, it's it's very hard to just work in a bar. And did you, were you ever uh, see any crime firsthand? Oh, yeah, numerous times. Like, kind of crime. I remember like, Jesus, uh, where I used to park when I had a Jeep at the time a couple of years ago on our street. Um, these peep, peeping Tom, there was this guy, an Indian guy. Peeping yeah? on you? No, peeping on, like he'd get into apartments, open windows, like trying to get at women, like attack women. That's called a rapist. <laughs> yeah, so. Fuck me. Yeah, but it was, it was in a certain area of Queens and like three or four in the morning I remember coming in from work parked up and I remember just seeing seeing a guy just come out of a window of like a basement like a of an apartment or a house and then run up the street and then I went upstairs 
and just looking out the window, putting on the AC unit. And he's fucking just staring up at like up at the window. But this guy, like, was on the move for like two months, jumping into windows, attacking women. Like, it's pretty fucking scary. Like, you know. Would you ever want to move home and open a bar? No, I don't think I'd come over. I'd like to be a part of a bar. I'd like to be like a silent partner or something. Just, you know. Just behind the money. Just I'd just like to, no, I'd love to be. <laughs> so what you're saying, there's a deal to be done. <laughs> I'd love to like be involved in something. Yeah, like a country bar or something, you know, and just. I think you're never, you, you don't realize how much you love New York. I think the idea of home is more of a dream than the reality. Of yeah. It. And like, I don't want to rule anything out either. Like, you know. I do love it and it's I literally wouldn't have what I have today if it wasn't for New York like it's been so good to me so, so you good. would 100% tell a young lad go yeah oh 100% yeah whether it's New York or not whether it's New York or whether it's San Diego or whether it's you know wherever but if you want to make money New York is where it is you know it, are you ready for the questions yeah I always, I always wondered how I'd answer these if they were ever asked. Now it's time, kid. <laughs> now it's time. And by the way, he's a very fancy baby bullnose out there. Yeah, very proud. I have my Just Busy sticker just inside the back. Just. 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 Loves a van, don't you, Ar? Yeah, I love it. It's very practical. Did you ever see a transporter? Yeah, I they're, did. They're my favourite fan. Oh, uh, I wouldn't be a huge fan of a transporter now. What? Yeah. My dad had one when we were younger and I was like, oh. Well, I'm fucking fell out with you now. <laughs> That's it. I'm actually writing it down on my enemy list. Aaron. I really love you, Aaron. <laughs> right. First one. This one's especially for you. Yeah. Uh, are Teenage Mutant Turtles real? No. No. They're heroes in half shell. Do you see loads of movies being made? Yeah. On the street and stuff. Yeah, Law and Order's been made on our block, like literally out the back of our apartment. Like, so how does that work? Did they just because every movie's in New York? Yeah. So basically, the 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 crowd Haddads is the name of the the filming company, Blue and White Lorries. You'll see them all over the city. So basically, a couple of weeks before they shoot something, they'll have the stickers up on the street, like no parking. And then they'll be say, oh, shooting from, say, Tuesday to Thursday or whatever. But yeah, it's a pretty big deal. It's like pretty set up. Like you'll see all the cars parked up with the NYPD on them, but there'll be like a blue cross through them. Like they'll have the stunt cars or, you know, cars for the show. But yeah, like I've seen Law and Order, uh, Sex and the City been filmed. Um, what else? Um, Are firemen Superman out there? A firemen are, are tough. They, are they, ah, they're tough. Do the women love them? Like everyone yeah, loves them. Yeah, of course they do. The police? Yeah. Like, are the police gone? Do people not like them as much? Th- that's the problem. The it's it's sad to see too. Like the you know respect for police has got like I suppose even here like has gone really really bad. Like I love that uh, senator that has that campaign <laughs> ad on TV, and he he's a real old guy, and he goes, "Next time you need a cop." Call a crackhead. <laughs> okay, okay. He's definitely. You don't like involved. cops. Next time you have a problem, call a crackhead. All right. Uh, what's your first vivid childhood memory? Oh, um, I suppose Christmas. Um, getting my first go kart and trailer. 
thinking I was going to be like having my own haulage company <laughs> at age seven or eight years of age. I used That's to, cool. I had the best rig out when it came to go-karts in my area, like compared to my friends. Like I had the best bar go-kart. I had like, like all the accessories, the odd two axle trailer had with it. flag. Yeah. Nearly bankrupt my parents for Christmas, but all had flags, everything. Well, if you nearly bankrupt your parents for a bird cart and with their house pet for 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking it, it gambling was, or something. It was good. Yeah. Uh, if you could make one phone call to heaven, who would you call? Oh, I'd call my two granddads. They died very young. I never really got like, I was only like seven or eight when they died. So, I definitely call them. Is home for you? This is a good one for you now. Is home for you a place or a feeling? Wow, um, a place or do you a feel feeling. home now, or do you feel at home when you get on the plane? Um, Here's how I'd answer that: Where do you have your nicest shites? <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you be most relaxed taking a dump? Right now. Oh, New York probably. There, that's your home. Uh, if your life was a movie, which scene would you replay over and over? Jesus. I don't know. That's a tough one. It's I don't scene, understand that question. Scene of a movie. Well, like, for you, if your life was a movie, what's your favourite scene? What would your favourite scene of that movie be? What would you like to look at? What part of your life would you like to look at? Over and over. Your favourite, favourite part. I guess it's going to be like my boys being born and hmm. those kind of things. They're easy answers for me and um, you. Yeah, that's a tough one for you. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think coming up to Christmas when I used to, when I was bartending, this is great. Great feeling, great buzz. People like bars packed, people on over on holidays, you know, Making twine. Big tips. Yeah. But no, it was, it, yeah, Christmas working in a bar is a great feeling. It's a great time. Is that a big tip week? That's oh, all my, my next uh, question. Sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> What's your largest tip? Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, New Year's Eve 2018. I was, work, I was working in Mulligan's and there's a high-end Japanese restaurant up the street, Zuma. Oh. And one of the managers um, was leaving. He was going up to Boston to open a hotel for his parents. Parents were big uh, hotel owners. But I remember uh, I was working with a guy, Connor, at the time. And we were both at different ends of the bar working. It was busy. But he'd come up and order just $100. Then he'd go up to Connor and order drinks, $100. And he did this for a couple of hours. There was a lot of $100 bills. Really? Yeah. So you, you made loads of money. We made day. loads of money that night. What was the take? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember what the take was. I, I, you uh, do remember. What's the largest take you ever remember? From myself? Yeah. Yeah. In a week? Oh, just just shy of three, I'd say. Should have been a better man. <laughs> No, that's not every, that's not all the time, but. No, but I mean, that's, it's important yeah. to note that that's a big thing in the US where tips rule. Tips are huge. This yeah. is a, a tough one, but answer it quick. Would you like yourself if you met yourself? I think so, yes. That's good. What's something that you're holding on to that you should let go? Oh. I think worrying about moving home. I think I need to just, 
I think it's one thing I just need to go with what you know what I'm doing now in New York and you know like I, I'm shaking the pot yeah, okay, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah no do you know what yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with a lovely girl she's been very good to me and I think I I'd always say it because I remember a couple of years ago when I moved back I was like oh no two years time now I'm moving home and even the last while friends of mine have said it to me and they're like do you know what I think you need to just Go with the flow and don't be yeah. don't be putting a, a, a string around your neck saying no. you have to be home by. Stay I, open. I think that's one thing. Stay I, open to the universe. And eventually, yeah, if it's, and, and like and the saying what? is, if it's, if it's meant for you, it won't pass you. Yeah, I think that's one thing I need to let go is worrying about when I'm coming home. I think things will just... Hmm. And, the, and I've been very lucky. Things have always just fallen into place work-wise, you know, everything. So, yeah, that'll be one thing I need to... It's just stay in the moment and enjoy what I'm doing and I think that's for everybody though isn't yeah. it yeah. be patient yeah uh, Shane Flynn has done a lot of that now with me like we all have to live more in the moment yeah it helps so much because we, we're all thinking about the next thing because it's yeah. never enough yeah we're just bred to just want more and we don't know what we want when we have it we don't want it we want the yeah. next thing I think the there's next... an element of worry though like you you and I would talk about this that we would worry mm. about Things. Yeah, like yeah. I think it's and I think the worry takes over, and you and you end up not being able to live in the moment because you're so worried about next week or yeah. the yeah. kids getting older or having kids. puts a, it, but even for him, he's he was. I remember talking to you at one point, and you were you were just so confused and and concerned about sexuality. Yeah. No, but and and sometimes you had to just be patient because it's it is going to happen. Yeah, I think I am a terrible warrior as a person, but I I do worry about oh jeez if if I'm not home by thirty four thirty five no one have yeah I, that's one thing you know just. Mm-hmm. You know, just relax a bit. Hey, don't feel bad. I have that conversation with myself every goddamn day. Yeah, yeah. Who brings you the most happiness in your life? Family and girlfriend. Oh, oh you Didn't make the top two. Okay, you Didn't make top two. The you could pour Derek to the bond there. <laughs> He'd be ringing me tomorrow and be like, yeah. <laughs> crying to me chips. <laughs> fucking let me go, me. Yeah. Uh, do you think things happen for a reason or we find reasons after things happen? No, I think things happen for a reason. Do you believe in God? Uh, I wouldn't say I believe in God, but I would be like, I'd be religious, but, you know, when things are... He drinks the water of dead people. Yeah. Tell him the story. No, no. To tell him. <laughs> tell me, you can't just leave me. Uh, no, I think, like, my dad had a bad accident a couple of weeks ago, and I think you, you start praying to someone up there when... You know, or even I feel like talk to the talk to the granddads up there and be like, "Come on, help us out here." Or, you That's know. what happens. To everyone, no one, everyone. If you ask him, don't believe in this. You don't believe in that. And then the shit hits the fan. Yeah. And as humans, we all go, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody. That's somebody yeah. somewhere. Somebody somewhere. Yeah. Do you trust anyone with your life? My girlfriend. That's beautiful. <laughs> I think I'm going to cry. This is a very profound one. Yeah. So don't panic. Okay. Right. When was the last time you shit yourself? Jesus. God, I can't think. Like, broaden the question. Like, you're, you're not fooling me. Everyone remembers. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Dave does it all the time. <laughs> like, a real, like, shit. Them. Like, you shit yourself. 
You know, there's no mistake in that moment. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever shit myself. Fucking lies. You shit in the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived. What do you want to be known for after you die? Um, I think that it was kind of nice to everyone and, you know, not an asshole. Like, you know, just straight to the point and told it as it is, you know. What's the most, the most guilty you ever felt? Do you ever feel really guilty over something? Jesus. Um, Even when you were a young lad? Guilty. That's a tough one. Any, exager- any examples? Yeah, I, was, I robbed the heavens so I wish I bought the when I was a young lad. Jesus. And I thought, the fucking police were going to bang down the door. There's going to be a SWAT team coming in. I think it was only two He-Man bars and a fucking a time bar or something. I wallpapered a truck when I was young in a, in a builder's yard. There was loads of wallpaper left that we wallpapered the whole truck. And the security guard came in and caught us. And I jumped over the back wall and had a rucksack with me. And I couldn't get the rucksack over the fence and I had to leave it go. And then sure, the food who was because the name was on the rucksack. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go on the wallpaper? So the, huh? Where'd you go on the wallpaper? It was in the builder's yard. They were obviously wallpapered houses oh, back geez. when I was young. Right. We wallpapered the whole truck. The whole truck, like. 360, like a massive big, uh, uh, like a present, like a Christmas present. Have you noticed that, like one thing about America that I love, like that, like, and at this time now it's full of batshit crazy motherfuckers, right? It's very, very polarized, right? But I think that's the media portraying that more so than the actual people. Yeah, well, do you know what? COVID, when COVID hit, I deleted every news app on my phone. And even today now I wouldn't really... I wouldn't really listen to the news or I wouldn't really read the paper. I think I think that's the problem. A lot of people read into it and it's like, oh, it's gospel. It's like, I think just make up your own fucking mind and have a bit of common sense and, you know, maybe open your mind to... Do you not love reading the paper? Farmer's Journal is probably the only piece of paper I'd read when I come home. Or Farmer's the Journal? Yeah, I think there's more fucking... The Diary of the Illuminati. Yeah, I think... That's him. Or I pictures of you though sitting in the bar mid afternoon on a day off reading the paper. Pause no. for Instagram. Yeah. No, well, I don't actually oh, post all that. Yes, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a big poster on Instagram now. He's not. No. He's a lurker. Yeah, I don't. If, if I see in like a nice moment or something like, if, or nice picture if I'm away, I'll take that and I'll post it. But I wouldn't really be one posting my whole life. Definitely no. not. Him and the lad that looks in through the windows. <laughs> <laughs> Licking the windows That's gonna Well Aaron It was brilliant talking to you No pleasure Thank and you very much I for... hope Loads of young lads Listen to this And know that It's all frame of mind Isn't it It's always It's always Yeah You know Because from the outside Looking in you, You're living the dream Yeah Oh it is It's There's nothing you can't do When you go over It really isn't You know We just don't want to go home but At some You stage. think you want to go home I think I want to go home At some stage he yeah. still has a car here. Well, sometimes it's, it's you know, the, New York has all the, you know, the glitz and glam, but sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. What does your girlfriend want to do? Um, I think she'd like to come home at, eventually, but, you know, I think that's... Where's she from? She's from Westmead. Sorry so, to hear that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in Westmead? Uh, Moat. Oh, I know it well. Yeah, so, yeah, I think we're both kind of on the same same mind frame of like but 
I think I need to Is just it purely of, monetary then? Is this a, like a money thing? Is this just because you're there? Cause yeah, well, do you know what it is? But you can, st- like, it's not like here where, you know, it's, you're making your fuel bob and you're trying to save it for whatever purpose. But over there, you can make money, but you can still go and enjoy a weekend away or do stuff and not be fucking worrying about, you know, geez, I fucking have to spend all that now in the bar. It's but you like, couldn't buy a house over there. Oh, you could. There's no reason why you can't. 2018, I nearly bought an apartment in Queens. How much? I could have bought a one bedroom for probably just over 300,000. Dollars? Yeah. One bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 you know, a lot of... Like, <laughs> See the perception of that now. But I could still, like, if I... How much would a two bedroom cost? Oh, you're probably talking another 100 or 200,000 on top of that. Yeah, just... just but you'll all... Half yeah, million dollars. I know, but you'll always rent that. You'll always, like, whatever happens, you'll always rent and you'll never lose money on it. Tell that to the lads in 1920 when there was the, the big economy fell down. Yeah, like, I know a few friends of mine that have bought in the last couple of years and I just feel like it's it's not a big stress ball like it is here. You know, like, geez, buying something here, I feel like people are... What's know, the rent like? Well, the rent is like we're paying for a one bedroom. We're paying about eighteen hundred for, but now that's gone up, like in the last couple of years. But like when I first why, moved, why why are you getting for eighteen hundred? So when I say that, is that paying for electricity? The, yeah, like, that'd be your electricity and your gas and you know your month's rent or whatever. But that's it, it adds up on your wages. Like I'm, you know, it's it's. Whatever, when we split it down the middle, it's whatever, 800, 900 each. That's good. And like we're living 20 minutes from Manhattan on the train. And it's a lovely neighborhood. Where I feel like people are paying 900 here and they're getting the corner of the room. So if you were to move, say you were going to commute, and like people do in Ireland, mm. and you were going to drive into New York for an hour and a half every morning. Which people do, yeah. That'd be what we all do here. Say. Yeah. We, what... Would you spend how how cheap or do the houses get an hour and a half away? Like for that three hundred thousand, oh, could you get a fine house in the suburbs? I'd say for say four hundred thousand, if you went an hour and a half upstate New York, oh, you could probably get an acre of land in a house. See here, here's where I it's the only way I hear people going, oh Dublin, fucking price of houses, and I know they say, oh I want to live in Dublin, but you know you can't afford it. Stop whinging about it, move out. Yeah, you know. Would would you not love that, or do you just love the whole buzz of the city that I much? I think, yeah, like, I don't think, where I'd love to live in the countryside here, where I don't think over there, like, you're too far away from what's going on. Like, when you're living 20 minutes, it's the buzz of, you know, the area, and you're only, like, when you get up and walk up to the train and you look into the skyline, I think that's... The buzz of it? Yeah, it's the buzz of it. I think if I was to live in in New York, I think when it's when family comes around, it's different. People move up. They go up to a bit of air, a bit of room. But it's like, at the moment, I think just living just in the suburbs there, like Brooklyn or Queens or... So do you live in a big building? I would live on the ground floor of a... I think it's a three or four story walk up. So it's an old building. It's like 1920s, 1930s. So is it haunted? I don't think so. Do you get one bedroom so you couldn't have anyone stay with you? Actually, no. We're looking for a two bedroom <laughs> now for people to come and stay because... Have you a pull-out bed? I have, yeah. We pull-out couch, yeah. You'd need one, sure. 
it's perfect for people like my mom. What's your number again? It is a new Migo. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're looking. We're looking now. October, we're going to try and get a two bedroom. Imagine if I was to knock on the door of four kids. You want to get some pull-out bed for that? <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Serious. Aaron, it was lovely talking to you. An absolute pleasure. Thank you very and much. Thanks very much for coming and best of luck with whatever you decide to yeah, do. Yeah, I know. And Derek, thanks for coming down. Not at all. Lovely, yeah, thanks, to, lovely to hear Aaron's story and I knew it was, uh, it was, it was worth no, hearing. Worth hearing. And if there's any multi-millionaire in Ireland that wants a shit-hot bartender that can <laughs> keep things safe because he also is qualified in safety. <laughs> and if you have tractors and And you have a cider. tractor, maybe a yeah. cider air or something. He is the man for the <laughs> yeah. job and he's a brand new baby bull nose, black alley, six speed, the whole fucking works. And he only needs 900 cash a week <laughs> on top of his wages yeah. and then yeah. we're sold. And he's going to live in Dublin. Yeah. And he wants to live in the middle of the city on a ground floor apartment. With two and bedrooms. he wants a 5.6 million one bedroom apartment <laughs> or he's not going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll chat you. Thanks Thank a million. Thank you very much. Good luck, See you. Thank you.